today we're actually, if you have a, a four-year-old, a five-year-old, a six-year-old, or a seven-year-old, uh, they can, if you so want them to, go to class uh, right now, and then they will be rejoining us back for um, kind of the end of the service since we kind of flopped that. So if they would like to go, they totally can. But I fully understand if you would per prefer to be in here with me, Greta. Uh, I don't know, I don't want to call you out on this, but you know, whatever, as your uncle. I don't know which one you want to do, but no, you should go to class. You should go to class. It's going to be a really good class, I promise. <laughs> okay. Um, so today, uh, looking at lifestyle of prayer, a daily conversation, and posture. You know, uh, one of the big things with prayer is that many times we can think of it in a very kind of... Uh, formula way. We can think of it in a very serious way. Uh, we put it in a box depending on the way we were raised or the way that we've experienced it in our life. But God really wants to, I, I believe, open up our mind that we don't have a box of what prayer looks like. Uh, we did that with the, the tools of prayer over the last two weekends. How many of you experienced some, what, let's just say, awkwardness? Come on, be honest. If you felt awkward, um, too awkward to even raise your hand. I get it, okay? I've been there. You know, but here's the, the idea with it wasn't to say that the only way of praying was one of those tools, but it was to stretch our brains to move out of our one way. You might be a yeller, you might be a whisperer, you might be a kneeler, you might be a walker, you might be a only, you know, five minutes in the morning, ten minutes at night, you, whatever your formula is, but the idea, and that's fine to have our kind of what works for us, but we also don't want to get just stuck in what works for us, because we serve a creative God, and he has a lot of creative ways for us to communicate with him to meet us in certain moments, in certain times of our life where we need to see breakthrough, where we need something to change. And I love what uh, Mallory was saying in just about praying for your family. The more I pray and talk to God, the more God challenges me to pray for my family. The more in like, so I'll start kind of going through my day and I see him kind of start pulling me back to other people. And then I start trying to go back to my day and then he starts kind of working me back over this way because yeah, there are things that I, but really what he's looking for me to do is just to give him my day. He's just looking for me to lay it before him and to let go of it. Yes. He wants to use me as an instrument to pray for you. He wants to use me as an instrument to pray over my family, for use me as an instrument to bless my wife, to bless my kids, to pray over my extended family, to pray over the church. Yeah. And likewise, he wants to use you in a similar way. And it's amazing what takes place. The other thing is, the more I pray for others, the more I start experiencing others praying for me. You start getting random texts just saying, hey, God put you on my heart. What's interesting is what God puts on people's heart to pray for me is what I'm feeling inside. You know how much more encouraging it is to then when instead of me just going and saying, Lord, here's what I'm feeling. But nobody knows the troubles I've seen. But all of a sudden I get a text of somebody saying, God put the troubles you've seen on my heart. 
And I want you to know this is what I see and this is what God is saying and this is what I see, you know, how he's going to come and intervene. All of a sudden it's like, Lord, you see me, you hear me. That can come in many different ways. But one of the ways I believe is when we're obedient to as we pray for others, God covers us. He covers that sacrifice. He covers that submission. So uh, you can open your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. We're going to read uh, verses 1 through 4, and I'm reading it out of the NIV today. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. does not tell us where. It just says certain. Uh, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John, John taught his disciples. So then he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. You know, it's interesting here, you have, here it says a disciple. Whether he was the spokesperson for the rest, they, the disciples were known to kind of talk, murmur amongst themselves, and sometimes, you know, it's almost like there was a spoke, like, are, are you... Are you going to be the brave one to go ask him the question kind of thing? Or, you know, they were always trying to figure things out. They asked him to pray. Here's the deal. Most of these fellas were taught how to pray. They'd seen people pray their whole life. They grew up in a praying culture. And uh, uh, their parents had prayed. Their families had prayed. It was very active. But they had seen one box of prayer. Maybe two, maybe three different types very formula, very kind of ritual, kind of repeating the same thing. Many times people used it to show how spiritual they were. So kind of be like me getting here, uh, you know, around 8.50, and I kind of just hang out in front of the front doors, and as soon as I see you kind of start walking in, I kind of change my posture, and I just kind of start reciting my prayer, and Okay, they're in, and I kind of wait a minute, and then the next person comes, and I re-kind of engage in that. But it was, some people used it as a way to kind of prove who they were, to prove their spirituality. For some, it, it, it truly just became a habit. There wasn't much heart between it. It was just something they're saying. We're guilty of the same thing. I do it all the times, even with songs. Sometimes my hands are raised, my eyes are squinted, and I'm like, yeah, and I realize... I am not thinking about these words at all. I'm totally thinking about something that happened yesterday. And, you know, like, our minds can get distracted. But I believe that what they saw in Jesus was something they had never seen before. I think what they saw is they didn't see a formula. They saw relationship. So they saw someone talking to Jesus. You know, prayer... The word prayer, it describes an action, but many times I think we think it describes what we're, uh, I'm messing up kind of definitions here, but, but we can kind of limit our thinking where it's supposed to be a conversation. I go on prayer walks, or I try to, every morning, and uh, sometimes I just decide to pray by myself, to myself as I sleep in. But the idea is to go on a walk, and I try to think of it as I'm walking with Jesus. We're walking together. We're going on a walk, and we're having a conversation. 
And so it's supposed to be a daily conversation, which means it's also not just at set times and places. It can be, uh, how many of you guys have ever had God drop something on your mind in the bathroom? I'm not saying what you're doing in there. Let's just, you're, you're brushing your teeth, okay? And God gives you something. Sometimes it's just because you actually separated yourself from so many distractions. He's like, finally, I got your attention. Your ears are open. I can speak to you. Maybe it's when you're driving in your car to work on your way home. Maybe it's while you're working out. It could be, maybe it's while you're taking a break. It could be, you know, as Mallory said, as a mom, you have to be very creative. It's not just like, okay, I'm going to carve out this hour and just, you don't get to carve out hours. You, 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 get to, you get to take advantage of moments. You don't get to carve out anything. But the idea is it's a conversation, and it's a daily conversation. It's supposed to be throughout the day. It's not something we check off our to-do list. It's not something like that. It's a daily conversation. I believe the disciples saw Jesus doing something that felt so personal They saw him talking to his heavenly father. They saw him honoring his heavenly father. They saw him making requests. They also saw him listen for then his heavenly father to come back and share to him. How many times we skip the listening part. If you turn to uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. This is Matthew's account of the same thing. And he says, when you pray, go into your room. Sorry, that's verse 6. But you can do that too. You can go into your room. <clears throat> the idea there, since, we already went, since I went there, I, got, I just stay there, um, is not that you have to be in a secret place. What Jesus was doing was challenging the thing of where I go somewhere public to pray so that others see me. And I do it for that. So yes, pride, but it's also the idea that when we separate, we get away from our distractions and we can just hear God and we can communicate. Now we're going to go back down to where we were supposed to be in verse 9. This then is how you should pray. He's going through something here, and I think we can take this in a religious context where we just say it over and over and over again and we lose the meaning. I believe this is about posture. Because it creates the proper way for us to approach our Heavenly Father. And uh, uh, when I was younger, I remember my mom thought I slouched a lot. And so um, many of you had a mother that thought you slouched. And uh, so she used to always tell me that I had to pretend like I was hanging from a string. Anybody ever have that one? I'm, you know, there's a lot of different ones out there, tools for it. But you just had a picture that your head was just kind of lifted and... Um, It's kind of a twisted thing to think of, but (laughs) posture is important because with bad posture, nowadays they actually, a lot of larger corporations actually hire physical therapists to come in because they're trying to be proactive with injuries instead of reactive. And so these physical therapists will go into a place of employment, watch people's movements And then think of what type of harm can take place if that movement is done wrong. And then teach classes on how to do those particular movements. What stretches to do before you go into those movements. And all those things to prevent injury. 
So posture is very important. It helps us do things smoother, with more ease. Um, it, it, it reduces the risk of injury. It reduces the risk of harm. Posture is important. But just like me getting my shoulders back and my head hooked on the string, it's something that I have to be deliberate about. Left into myself, I prefer this. You with me? It's a lot easier. Gravity just kind of yanks us down, you know what I mean? I'm excited, I, 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 uh, I believe I'm 6'2". I, when I was a teenager, I measured, the last time I measured myself, I was about 6'1 and a half, and I was in eighth grade, and I just always wanted to be 6'2", so I can't face the facts. It's also like I've never done an IQ test because I don't want to know how low my score is. So I, I just don't have the mental capacity to, to face my own reality. So I don't do that, and I've never re-measured myself. I just put on my driver's license, I'm 6'2". I believe I'm 6'2". But I am excited for the day where gravity kind of pulls me back down to 5'8", or something like that. And, uh, but the idea is, you know, we, we naturally just kind of come down. So posture is important because it's something that has to be deliberate. I have to deliberately decide to stand up. I have to deliberately decide to move in certain ways. Uh, maybe as you get older, you have to deliberately decide to get out of bed a certain way, or you might not be walking when you get out, when you, you just might lay down there on the floor. You know, I, I've been having a little sciatic thing where I have to be very deliberate on, I can't just sit right up. And so we have to be deliberate with it. In this, Jesus is giving us some posture techniques. He's a physical therapist who's come in and he's watched our day. He's watched the way we think, the way we act, our gravitational pull to the way we deal with things. And he's coming and he's giving us some stretches. He's giving us some guidance and that's what we see here. So we start with our Father in heaven. There is something about acknowledging that God is the God of the heavens and the earth. We're not just acknowledging our genie in the bottle. We're not just acknowledging a God. We're not just acknowledging uh, even like a higher figure. No, we're saying our heavenly Father. We're acknowledging where he's positioned. We're acknowledging where his throne is. We're putting him at the highest place that we can. Hallowed be your name. His name is holy. So we start in prayer with acknowledging who he is, where he's positioned, and we're declaring that. Because by me saying that he is my father in heaven, and I'm putting him on his throne, I'm actually changing the posture of my heart. Do you know who I like to have on the throne the majority of the time? Now, don't judge me, but myself. I look really good on it. And uh, it, it, it feels, it's comfortable. I, I like to be on my own throne, ruling my own kingdom. But I got to begin my time of prayer taking myself off off of that seat and saying, Lord, no, you are my heavenly father. You are seated in the highest place. Hallowed be your name. What do most of us, we, we, there's a natural thing even from 
youngest of age where we want to get our popularity. We want to be known. We want friends. We want, there, there's something about when we hear our name. Maybe your parents gave you a really twisted name and you're just like, you, you go by your middle name cut in half because you don't ever want to say what your first name is and so you don't like your name. But there is something inside of us where um, we, can, we can start focusing on ourselves but to look to him, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. We're not asking for our kingdom. So look at this. There's posture here. We acknowledge he's on the throne. We glorify his name. It doesn't say when things are good in your life, when life is amazing, when you just got a raise, when all your relationships seem like they're just going perfect. No, this is all the time. We look at where he's at. We glorify him. Now we're asking for his kingdom to come which is an act of saying, Lord, I want to put my kingdom aside. I want to push my desires aside. I want your kingdom. I want your kingdom to come in my life. I want your kingdom to come in my family. I want your kingdom to come in City Harvest. God, I want your kingdom to come and invade Vancouver. I want your kingdom. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, your will be done. Man, look at the posture in this. Maybe, maybe this message is for me. And I appreciate you guys just being spectators of what God's doing in my life. But this isn't the way I naturally want to go to him. I go to him with what I need. And I start there. And I talk the entire time. And then I end and I rush off and go to him. And he's like, oh, oh. But there's something powerful. I I know I'm repeating myself over and over, and I'm almost sick of it too, so I I, I apologize. But there's something so powerful in the posture. Give us today our daily bread. Yeah, we're asking for him to come meet our natural needs. But we're also asking for him to come spiritually and feed us. One of the questions we have to ask ourselves is, are we actually even going to the table? Because the food is opening up the word. I know sometimes we can look at it and say it's bland. It's like a boiled vegetable with no salt, no garlic, no pepper. It's a terrible analogy because that you actually have to spice up. This one you actually don't. It's perception. So erase that idea. But... Sometimes we can think the word is bland, but the word is life. And it has to do again with the way we're looking at it. He gives us worship. Something shifts in the atmosphere when we begin to sing to him. The song doesn't have the power. What has the power is when our heart taps into the heart behind the song, the words behind the song. There's where the power goes. We can be manipulated by tunes. We can be manipulated and feel good with certain rhythms. But that ain't power. That's feelings. Power shifts 
when I tune in my mind to what I'm reading or what I'm hearing, and it becomes a reality in me where I passionately am saying, God, I need you as my way maker. Lord, you are the only way. You're the only one where there is no way. It is only you. Something shifts inside of me, and there's power inside of that. You know, in God's will, and talking about his will be done in Matthew Chapter 22, verse 37 and 39. He'd been asked about the greatest commandment. He'd been asked, what's the most important thing? And he says, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So when I say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. What is his desire? That I love him. It's really simple. It's not some big complex thing. It's not some tricky roadmap. It's not a treasure map that the pirates have to try to find and there's all these obstacles and, and it's not Indiana Jones that if I don't press the stone exactly right while twisting this and hopping over this that somehow I'm going to fall through. It's really simple. But it can be so hard to love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Name goes to what Mallory was talking about with prayer. We pray for others and we lift them up. All right, wrapping this up and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here in verse 14, it says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. You know, we all want the forgiveness of God in our life. Sometimes we even struggle to believe that he will actually come and forgive us because of the things we've done. And we think it's too, it's too big. I've messed up too much. There's no way. You know? He just wants us to come before him. But there really is, there, there's one thing he does ask of us besides just coming to him being repentant. He asks that we also forgive one another. And that's not just talking about the people that call themselves Christians or the people you go to church with. Imagine the most difficult person in your life right now. Don't do it too long, it might be painful. <laughs> But here's the deal. We've all done way more in disobedience, in our selfish actions of running away from God than that person has ever done to you. The reflection of, and in the outworking of us truly tuning in to the forgiveness of God is when, because when we truly embrace it, there is a joy and a thankfulness that erupts inside of us that needs to come out in an action of expressing that same forgiveness to others. God wants to free us of all those things that bound us up. It could be something that happened to you when you were a child. Could be something that even didn't happen to you. It was the avoidance of love. It was the avoidance of affirmation. It was the avoid, or maybe it was a broken promise. 
It could be something that was done in abuse. It could be something that was stolen from you in life. Somewhere where you were cheated out of something. Somewhere where you've been accused of something you didn't do. Maybe something you did and you feel like you're being treated too harshly. God wants to come and bring forgiveness. And he wants us to step out in that same forgiveness. And uh, so my encouragement in this, as we close up this series on prayer, is that we take up a posture that God has laid out before us. Again, it's not about reciting those words exactly. It's about hitting the posture of what it is. And so if you're finding difficulty in prayer, if you're finding a lack of breakthrough in the things that you're bringing before God, I would say go back to this posture. It's like one of those posters in a doctor's office that describes certain things. It's a posture. And go back and start to look at it. Lord, am I coming before you and putting you on the throne? Am I starting by glorifying your name? Am I then asking that your kingdom come and invade not just my surroundings, not just my neighbor, not just that politician, not just that my boss that I don't like. No, I need your kingdom to come and invade me. I want to push out my kingdom and I want to embrace your kingdom. And Lord, I need your will to be done. God, help me to forgive others as you have so freely forgiven me. God, help me to come before your table and not just try to eat in my own strength and not just try to get through life that way, but that I wouldn't just live on bread alone, but I would open up the word and I would eat it up. I would open up my words and talk to you. I would open up my praise and my worship. And I believe that something will change in our prayer lives.